Welcome back to the Scientist in Training podcast. I'm Alex, one of your trusty guides through the academic labyrinth, and I'm joined by my brilliant co-hosts, Odalis Garcia, Emily Johnson, and Emily Hackerson. Can you believe it's season three already? Time flies when you're buried in research. Ain't that the truth. (laughs) But, I mean, here we are, ready to bring you another season of our candid tales and insights from the trenches of grad school. And what a way to kick off this season. We're diving headfirst in the memorizing world of artificial intelligence. AI isn't just for sci-fi movies anymore, it's reshaping the landscape of psychology, biology, education, and countless other fields. From cognitive modeling to genomics, AI influence is everywhere. Today, we're unpacking how it's transforming our research and maybe even redefining what it means to be a scientist. If you're new to the scientists in training, uh, welcome aboard. We're so glad you joined our little academic community. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. So, whether you're a seasoned grad student or someone just curious about the future of science, you're in for a treat this season. We've got stories of breakthroughs, hilarious lab mishaps, even philosophical musings about where this all might be headed. So grab your lab coats and notebooks, folks. It's time to dive back into the world of academia on The Scientist in Training. I think now we can have our actual intro to the episode. Uh, I was going to kind of bury the lead a little bit, but that was all AI written, that whole intro. <laughs> <laughs> Did you tell? Grab your lab coats and notebooks. <laughs> yeah, right. Which natural. I think is going to show up now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can just going to sneak it in. But right. I- might rewind a few and be like, yep, yep. You're yeah. strong, ain't yeah. that the truth? Yeah, really got me. Ain't yeah. that the truth? <laughs> Philosophical musings? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think it was kind of cool to intro the topic we're going to talk about today, but first things first, I think it's time to just kind of check in with where we're at since we recorded last May. Yeah, about. Yeah. Something like so that. It feels like just ago. summer. Now it's fall. Every month Tomorrow? is a lifetime. It does feel that way. So we are starting our third year. Ooh, don't say that. That's scary. Which, <laughs> right, like, oh, Dallas's youth took a hit there. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> when I saw the line that the AI wrote that it was like the trenches of grad school, I was like, yes. <laughs> that is That is how it feels. And I feel like that kind of perfectly encapsulates what third year is because I feel like we're all just kind of in a weird in-between yeah between student candidacy Mm -hmm. like there's a weird Mm -hmm. it's a weird transitionary period it feels like too because first year of course you're new you're you're learning stuff you're not expected to know anything second year you've kind of adjusted a little bit but you're still a baby now you're a Young adult. Yeah, it's like in year. second year you're like praised for knowing things. It's yeah. Like, wow. Like you're still knowing. Like, like wow, you know that. know that. And now in third year it's like you don't know this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. like, I feel like it's like when we came as first years thinking of like who the third years were then. It's like we're them now. Mm-hmm. Like to the first yeah. years who just came in. Like we're them. <laughs> it's crazy. Weird. They get younger every time. Every time. Kids these days. Kids these days. In addition to that student candidacy transition, um, now that I'm starting to teach like my full like course for a whole semester, 
I'm in that student teacher transition, and that is plenty ripe for plenty of uh, learning opportunities for me. Yeah, I am teaching a new course that I haven't had. Well, I'm TAing a new course that I have not had the opportunity to be in front of students with, and it's it's interesting being confronted with the like instructional practices of another instructor instead of ones I've been working with, and it's. My students just had their first exam, for better or worse, it's over. Um, Yeah, that's where that's at. Human anatomy, tough. (laughs) Just had to get through the first one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once they get through the first exam, which I don't write the exams. They They at least know what to expect now. Yeah, I took that class. Yeah, they are hard. There, it's hard. (laughs) I mean, I was looking at it and I was just like, couldn't be me. I feel like I'm kind of on the opposite end of that in that I'm just in a weird phase where there's no, the courses that I need to take are offered this semester, so I don't have class of my own, not teaching any, thank God, okay, I couldn't handle that right now, and it's kind of weird, you would think it'd feel very different, somebody who's had classes for their whole life, it's so weird to not do it, but at the same time, there's meetings, there's these, these trainings, so there's so much to learn all the time. But I feel like without a class, I feel like I'm, like, still kind of in summer. Yeah. Like, Like I have a few extra meetings, but I'm still in lab just as often. Like, I'm still on campus just as often. So I just feel like it's still, like, a mix of in summer. Because my nights, since I'm doing RA, there's nothing I can really bring home. Everything happens on campus. So at Mm. night, I'm like, I don't have homework to do. So you're finishing a million So you read. So I'm reading a million (laughs) books. (laughs) We were, like, neck and neck for a while, and then the semester started, and suddenly Emily shot, like, way ahead of me. I think last semester, I think I read max two books a month. So, like, when I have courses, I'm not reading that fast. But without courses, like, I go home, and I was like, I don't have much to do unless I stay on campus until 7 p.m. like I've been doing some nights. Yeah. So... It happens. I'm on campus late a lot this semester, yeah. and I, I hate But at least I have a new roomie to come home to. That's me, guys. <laughs> Which has been quite lovely and will be nice as we transition into Fargo winter. Oh, my goodness. The Texan in the room panics. <laughs> so I think one of the things we're going to try to do this season is bring up our, like, excuse me, what kind Just of moments? weird moments. Like, what? Like, <laughs> that happens um so for those of you who aren't familiar with kind of the department i'm in and like the building whatever um so i am in the biology building and so it's a really old building with some fun animals so come mm, visit if you're on mdsu campus uh, yeah, some legless lizards um mm. one of it, one of the legless lizard is named nas and it's stands for not a snake because legless <laughs> lizards are not snakes <laughs> so, i love that fun fact but we it was the first week of the semester and uh, one of the postdocs in my lab was sitting in our office and our office is not like huge but it's not like so it's it's big because like four of us could work in there pretty comfortably but it's not huge and we have a mini fridge a printer a toaster a microwave a bunch of filing cabinets bookshelves it's very clearly an office okay very clearly and it was the first week of the semester um, Tara was sitting in the office with the lights off, just like listening to public radio or whatever before starting our day. I think it was a Friday. And all of a sudden, someone tries to like 
like jiggling the doorknob, door, like yeah. trying to like get into the room, <laughs> and the lights are out. And Tara's like, "What? <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, who thinks they need to be here on Friday morning?" Mm-hmm. Turns out the registrar had scheduled a class <laughs> to meet in our office. That's cool. <laughs> like you could maybe fit twelve people in there, and then it starts to be claustrophobic. Was? Like thirty people, <laughs> like. Yeah, like that, and that room, that room had never been a classroom. Never in the history of that building was it a classroom. It's always been an office. So we're like, <laughs> everyone sit on the floor. <laughs> but like, I have participant data in there. <laughs> I have my work in there, books, my computer. Like, so much could go wrong. But luckily, we have a lovely academic assistant who was able to get a hold of the registrar and get them into a new room. But like, did they all just like well. hang around in the hallway yeah, until yeah. they figured no, out where the class That's kind of what I saw when I walked in was just this clump of like sophomores <laughs> just like standing in the did hallway. Did the professor like, also show up to that room? I have no idea. <laughs> that I do not know. Imagine that's, that's how you experience. find out. They're like, you're teaching a class. They're all in your office now. Yeah. That's the horrendous. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like if they were showing up and suddenly it was like I was instructor of record. Nightmare. Yeah. Nightmare. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Literally. Nightmare of you. nightmares. <laughs> I did a little bit of digging on kind of what AI is kind of called, and then we can just really just talk about like how we use it or what conversations we've heard about it. Um, but artificial intelligence is. The development of computer systems that can perform tasks that typically would require, like, that human intelligence. So things like learning, reasoning, problem-solving, perception, speech Mm. recognition, and natural language understanding. And so, like, when I... I use artificial intelligence, like, transcribing interviews. Mm. That's very AI-driven, and that's been around for a while. It's just gotten better. Wow. For the most part. We still have to go back and like double check interviews like three times. Yeah. <laughs> and my advisor will Well, out. yeah, because like, I think that's the whole thing with messy. artificial intelligence. It's still not what humans can do. There's that bit there to it, too. Yeah. Yeah. So they're designed to process like large amounts of data, identify patterns, make decisions or predictions based on that information. And then they can be programmed to perform specific tasks like playing chess, recognizing faces. Or they can be designed to learn and adapt from data, and that's called machine learning, which people have probably heard. Heard of. I definitely have played against a computer in chess, and I didn't realize that that is considered AI. But it makes sense. I don't think I've ever won. It's not very good at chess, though. Wouldn't that be for, like, a lot of games, though? I guess that's better. Yeah, yeah, the computer. computer Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you're playing against, like, a computer... On anything. My, like my brothers would hate me for not knowing the actual word for it. But. Oh. Well, because it's Isn't NPCs, like right? Not playing. Yeah, yeah so I don't know what's. I no, beat that NPCs are right. non playable characters, and those are like uh, the, 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 the characters like you walk by in a video you. game that always go, like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and then you walk past them again and they go, hi. <laughs> and that, like, they just like say the same thing every time. Every time. That's an NPC. Ah. I'm just huh. thinking of Pop Chopper out of that. Pop Tropica! <laughs> that is a blast from the past. I know. I was, That's what my brain automatically went to. I was just reading something about Pop Tropica, and I cannot remember what it was. And I think it was something in, like, the coding of it. It's, like, a simple game. I'm pretty sure I tried to play it within the last year, and it was too glitchy. 
Oh, but within the last year, I did I'm in doing fact. Tonight. <laughs> I'm sleeping tonight. Is what yes. I'm doing. I, Please do. I, I do. I do got a sleep deficit, but such as the trenches of grad school. Am I right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if sleep researchers would agree with that. And there are various approaches to AI, including symbolic or rule-based AI. So this involves encoding human knowledge and rules into a system. It uses predefined symbols and rules to make decisions and solve problems. Machine learning, which we kind of talked about, is a subset of AI where algorithms are trained on large data sets to recognize patterns and make predictions. So like with chess matches, it can predict based on patterns it's learned which move you have made. So it makes a good move in response type of thing. Deep learning is machine learning that uses neural networks look at the neuroscientist in the room um, <laughs> with many to many layers to process and learn from data so deep learning has been particularly successful in tasks like image and speech recognition and I think I've been seeing more and more in some biology papers where they do like imaging they will use more and more advanced AI to like look for those patterns in their imaging so they can just process more data and have a more robust sense of what that pattern looks like. Interesting. It's really cool. Because yeah. you can slice a lot of mouse brains. <laughs> you can't slice a lot of human brains. Those are <laughs> a little more limited. They're, I think the IRB wouldn't like Yeah. <laughs> I cooks like just as long as you ethics do it ethically. Episode? Really, yeah. Let's circle back to our ethics episode. Or we talk about episode. IRB versus IACUC and those kinds of stuff. Um, so, um, AI is used, I think, in probably almost every industry at this point. Um, healthcare for diagnosis and treatment planning, finance for patterns looking for, like, fraud detection in, like, trading, um, automotive for autonomous driving, and those cars are getting better and better and better, and I'm looking forward to the day that I do not have to drive from Fargo to Minneapolis. And my car can do it for me, and I can read. <laughs> See, that cruise control is kind of nice. Well, that's just... The baby I can't read while I'm on cruise control. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can. I'm a little too excited about cruise control. <laughs> I mean, I love cruise control, but like, don't read I books. Does not match up today. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, I do audiobooks, but it's just not the same. Mm. Um, and then entertainment, like those algorithms for recommendation systems. So, like Netflix will recommend things to you, and mm. they'll be like, "This is a 67% match for what you would like to watch." But then, like TikTok, and it's like. I was thinking about this today. How did you get yeah. into my brain? So Facebook ads. Mm. Ah, I deleted Facebook off my phone yesterday. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of over it. I was like, mm-hmm. I was updating my phone to iOS 17, and I was like, what don't I need to go through this update? And I was like, who needs Facebook? And then I realized the post I made on Instagram today also posted to Facebook, and so I was like, oh shoot, I should probably go see and make sure nothing's weird with that. Whatever. Uh, (laughs) It's also important to note that AI has made significant advancements, but it's not yet capable of general intelligence or understanding on par with human intelligence. It's not taking over. So I think a lot of people are scared of AI, like, taking over, and it's like, the computers are going to be smarter than us because they don't have, like, the human emotions or, like, the mortality to get in their way, which, by the way... Computers have mortality. Cause did you see my advisor's computer? 
Her, her battery blew up. Mm. Like, like, exploded. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, her computer, like, is swollen. <laughs> like, there's no other is way to Is she still using it? it? No. She oh. Had, oh, okay. <laughs> she was using it for a little bit, but she couldn't use the keyboard. And well, so she no. had to have a, yeah. Like so, a speech. Like, so, like, wow. Computers have mortality. <laughs> but, I mean, stuff like artificial intelligence and the underpinnings of it have been around since, like, the early 1950s. Um, if you've seen... Oh, what is the movie with Turing? Don't look at me. I'm the worst option to tell you. I don't see movies, apparently. Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. plays Alan Turing. I don't know. It's about this. the Enigma, and they were trying to solve that during World War II. Yeah. Um, it's something game. Oh, oh. The Imitation Game. The Imitation, Imitation 2014 game. film. Yes. Thank you. So, it's been around since <laughs> the 1950s with Alan Turing, um to use to, like, decode Morse code, other different codes, um, typically for military reasons, which we don't have to get into that. Um, I did find out after my grandpa died that he did that in the military. He was, like, a Morse code decoder at the Pentagon. Like, hmm, what? Why did no one tell me this? I knew he worked at the Pentagon, but not doing that. Hmm, that's cool! That is cool. That's cool stuff! Did he teach you Morse code? No. We're not going to get into that. Um, (laughs) So that's kind of, I mean, I don't have like a really thorough in-depth knowledge of AI, and I don't think the average person does, but I mean, I've used it. I used it to write the intro to this podcast episode, (laughs) good, bad, or otherwise. I think I learned more about AI in the time that we've been sitting here than I knew. Yeah. You probably used it more than Oh, yeah, probably. 100%. That's what I'm realizing, yeah. Yeah. Things that you're talking about, things that we use, it's like, oh, it really is all around and like... The movies obviously try and make it all dystopian and like this is the yeah. scariest thing ever. It's gonna take over the world, like you mentioned. But we already use it. It's been beneficial, and then now at our career stages and whatnot, we're getting kind of a feel for what that looks like in a professional sense, which has been interesting. Yeah, I feel like the conversations around it, especially recently, have sounded a lot like what I heard the conversation sounded like when the internet first came mm-hmm. around. Yeah, that's and what I hear. Cell phones. Google. Not that I actually heard them, but you no, know, I, I also did. I am <laughs> indeed like older connection. than Google, but <laughs> when did Google come out? I think it was September nineteen ninety eight. We're younger than Google. We are younger than Google. That's so kind of a weird thing. I'm older than Google. Google was founded on September fourth, nineteen ninety eight. Oh, we missed its birthday. I'm sorry, Google. Aww. Um, I was I. I Google things multiple times a day, and it did not inform me when I Googled something the other day, so I think that's on them. That is that is fair. I am indeed not older than the internet, though. Mm-hmm. When did the January internet? 1st, 1983 is considered the official birthday oh. of the internet. The internet, not Google. The internet, yes. yes. Google is Google's. younger than the internet. Yes. yes. Like, that would make sense. Yes, yeah. but like, predictive text is AI. Right. So, like, every night when my mom texts me goodnight, I love you, and my phone knows I want to send love you too, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, like, it's like, great, <laughs> that was, so every, it's just the quick three buttons, which is great. And even the uh, iPhone feature of whenever you're sent, like, uh, like one-time use code texted to you, it will pull it up on that. Oh my god, I love that! It's so nice. Like, that's the it'll best thing ever. It's just, messages. even before I even get the message mm-hmm. thing, it'll be like, Get it. Yep. Lovely. It's great. Cool. It makes our life easier, and I love that. Speaking of uh, TikTok 
previously. My TikTok is now sending <laughs> me to um, like top four education related AI that you could use in your classroom. And one I went to because I was curious um, has like a lot of different teacher tools. And one of them, which is my favorite, is the teacher joke generator. And no, it says generate God. teacher jokes for your class to be the coolest teacher out there. Of course you were going to get this So one. naturally I had you. to do it. It's a good thing doing so it behind on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then I made one, uh, I asked it about learning. The first one is, why did the math book look sad? Wow. It has oh. too many problems to solve and needed a break. I don't. The addition of needing a break is it's a too real. Same. same. <laughs> the second teacher like joke <laughs> is why did the English teacher bring a ladder to class? Why? Because they wanted to reach the high notes in grammar. So, I feel like that sounds like a music. <laughs> the high joke. notes in yes. grammar. Yes, that was what the AI created. Well, so, so it still AI is not very funny. I'm much funnier than AI, so you're welcome. I asked ChatGPT to write me a bad dad joke mm. and then a bad teacher joke. So here's the bad dad joke. Why don't scientists trust atoms? Because they make up everything. No. <laughs> I like that. I will steal that for. <laughs> I've heard that one so many times. I love it so much. Okay. Why did the teacher go to the beach? Why? Because she wanted to test the waters. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Just keep coming. One of my favorite non-AI created jokes is the other day I was driving and my GPS also, fun fact, AI, um, my GPS told me to turn around and then I couldn't see anything. I've heard this one now like I've not heard that one. I don't think I've heard that one. Uh, from him. <laughs> I'm not surprised. You're welcome. So, although it can give us jokes, as some of these have you've now heard, still need their work done. Because what were those? <laughs> yeah, and it's it's important to note that, like, I mean, I've used it for a lot of re- really useful things. Like, in, it... I use it to um, generate code for R all the time because it's better than Google for that. I can just give me the code to make this figure I want to make and it'll just like, and like there's the code and I can, you can even just hit a button and it copies it Mm -hmm. and you put it right into R and then you just like fix it for your data set. I've used it to make like um, outlines for things that I just like can't seem to start so it like helps me with writer's block a little bit but important to note it's not good with accurately citing sources it will make it up heard that it'll Mm -hmm. completely make it up and so you won't catch it until because it'll look right but the things won't exist that it's citing so that just speaks to its importance of like not being your end all be all for anybody which that's been kind of been brought up I feel like in terms of um students using them and what mm-hmm. that looks like uh, because like you said it just makes stuff up which it's a useful tool to start with and things like outlines like you mentioned code I definitely had to pull that out one time when I had this weird intric- intricate thing to do and I could just I did not know what to do I went over to Alex he was like let's just type it into chat GPT mm-hmm. did it in two seconds yeah so it's helpful for those things, but definitely 
Double check your sources, guys. Yeah. Always, 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 always. <laughs> One of my favorite news stories when was when lawyers cited or like used ChatGPT to create like oh. whatever they submitted to a judge. The judge was just like these court cases that you're citing don't exist and just rip them apart. Legal Eagle has a really great story just explaining all of that. And it was a lot of fun. I did not hear about that one. Yeah. But yeah, that's not good. Don't do it. That's not good. But it's also, I like, I think some schools, and it wouldn't surprise me if our school goes down this road, are trying to, like, ban it. Like, students can't mm-hmm. use it at all. Because one thing that's going to happen is, as AI becomes more popular, AI checkers are also going to become yeah. popular, and schools are going to start paying for, like, the turn it in to see if yeah. they're plagiarizing. Mm-hmm. They're going to start paying to check if it was AI generated. But it seems almost like saying like back in 1998 you can't use google and so it feels like an outdated mm-hmm. an outdated way to go about it and approach ai and it seems like it's much better to teach them how to use it yeah how yes. and when to use it yeah, yeah. like plenty of um, places will teach students how to use it in effective ways and so if we don't teach our students how to use it in effective ways then there's going to be a deficit between you know, our students and the students that have been taught about it. It's it's kind of, yeah, we, we keep bringing up the parallels with the internet, and it's kind of interesting to think that we're now at that point where, because we, like we spoke about, we were too young for the internet. It's just kind of been around when we've been doing school and such, so maybe that'll be the case for the next generation, so just know about AI and know how to use it, and I think that's pretty cool. Then... I'm afraid for the day that I'm an old person that doesn't know how to use AI. That's, yeah. That'll be weird. I know my students just started not understanding my references. I made a SpongeBob reference the other day, and my students wow. looked at me like I was an alien. That's so disappointing. And I was like, I'm not that old. Wow. <laughs> I'm not that old. Ugh. I did just ask a, a chat GPT when it's appropriate to use AI for an assignment, mm. just because I was curious what they yeah. would say. What did they think? Um, Are they self-aware? They said, yeah. it's appropriate to use AI for an assignment when it's explicitly allowed by your teacher or professor and the purpose aligns with the learning objectives of the assignment. Here are some scenarios when using AI <laughs> could be appropriate. One, generating ideas and outlines. Two, fact-checking and research, which fact-checking? Um, three, <laughs> Grammar and spell checking. AI tools like yeah. grammar checks and um, spell check help improve the overall quality of the Oh, I use that one a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Language translation. We use that one a lot with Odalis, which we like, what's the English word? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> time it doesn't work correctly. Yeah, that is true. We try. I will say, yeah, if you're going to use it for language translation, just know, colloquially, they're not going to mean the same thing. I ran into that issue. Literally, Multiple like, times. what, two Literally, days ago? Yesterday? Oh, yesterday, yesterday. yeah. Tango yeah. does not translate to, I don't have the desire. That just sounds weird. Anyway, that's wish just I Wish I could help you there. Rant. <laughs> rant. Someday I will. I'll pick it up. Um, five, data analysis and visualization, which I was using it for that today. Programming and coding assistance. This has been where it's been a saving grace. Mm-hmm. Um, learning and understanding concepts. AI-based educational resources and tutorials can be used to gain a deeper understanding of complex concepts. Generating creative content. AI can be used to assist in generating creative content like poetry, artwork, or music. Because there are, like, those image mm-hmm. AIs. Mm-hmm. Um, they yeah. suck at doing hands. That's what I have. <laughs> That's what I have. Just 
discovered. I have um, seen that thing. Or yes. seen. I haven't used it. Um, it's also important to remember that you need to acknowledge the use of AI, understand and review output, use AI as a tool, not a replacement, and follow guidelines and ethics. Ultimately, it's up to your teacher or professor to determine whether the use of AI is appropriate for a specific assignment, so always check with them if you're unsure. Oh, thanks I, really, I would agree with almost all of that. I really resonated almost. with the last Keyword. one. Of, created for the evil? Well, I mean that, but it was like <laughs> use it as a tool. I think, uh, especially ChatGPT, is a really useful, like powerful and specific Google search. I think that's pretty much how it should be mm. used. Yeah. At least for now. For now. Who knows what it's going to be capable of in the future? As long as we don't dun, name dun. an AI Skynet, I think we'll be safe. You're gonna have to explain. We all missed yeah, that reference. I know. No clue. So Skynet is the AI that created the Terminators that wiped out humanity and also launched nuclear bombs to eliminate all humanity. And then yeah. sent Terminators back in time to kill the creator of um, the resistance to Skynet. If you're talking huh. about a movie, there's a good chance Emily and O'Dallas haven't seen it. That being said, with the the movies and commitments and AI. Um, I stand in solidarity with SAG-AFTRA and the writers striking against everyone saying that their jobs could just be replaced by AI because Completely agree. as of now and probably forever, AI will not be able to replace human creativity. <laughs> and I <laughs> cannot believe I beat Alex to that punchline. <laughs> Imagine if they wrote a script like they wrote our script <laughs> earlier and in the, in the movie they say, what was it? So grab your lab coats and notebooks. Grab your lab coats and notebooks. <laughs> and I feel like that one's just gonna It's like those, those cheesy, <laughs> cheesy movies and TV shows. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're just gonna make more Hallmark movies. Hallmark, yeah. Which, I mean, I guess some people wouldn't be mad about. And, like, mm. I love me a Hallmark movie every once in a while. But it just won't be replaced. It will not. So if you're listening to us on our release day, October 1st, um, today is International Coffee Day. Can I get a whoop whoop from the graduate God students? God bless whoop, coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Not Looks yeah. like I'm buying coffee on October 1st. Oh darn. Oh darn. Guess we gotta. But literally, I, first thing I do in the morning, start my coffee maker, because I need a coffee to get through the day. Common theme among, among graduate students. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to see kind of what's going on in the world of coffee. And I found out actually a very interesting article, not really having to do with coffee, but in the coffee that we would enjoy at least. But uh, researchers at RMIT in Australia have been able to improve concrete using used coffee grounds. Well, so you know that to thing... assume that no one else likes concrete in their coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you're out there, you might really like concrete now too. I don't know. These researchers created a form of, like, charcoal called biochar from spent coffee grounds, so that thing that we toss out at the end of the day after we've made our coffee. Um, and then the this biochar was evaluated in different concentrations and temperatures when heated through a process called pyro, pyrolysis. Excuse me if I got that wrong. English is my second language. <laughs> Uh, this process is used to de deconstruct the materials, and the best combination that they found of both the concentration and the temperature through this process um, 
proved to be approximately 30% improvement in the concrete strength. So that's a, you know, almost a third. Coffee's making us stronger. (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) Literally the ground that we stand on. Come on now. You could say that this concrete rocks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How does this do coffee? Concrete. Concrete. So, as always with research, more work is needed to determine if this is actually feasible for construction, but so far it looks promising, and this means better concrete mixes and the use of spent coffee ground waste, which, you know, every day everybody uses it. So, I think this is a win-win. Sounds like a very good win-win. Yeah. I love coffee. If you want to learn a little bit more about that, I've linked the article where they talk about this. Um, but yeah, pretty cool stuff. That was kind of a fun thing to find. Enjoy International Coffee Day. So, we're just super excited <laughs> to be back for season three. And we... We just can't continue our laughter. Yeah, we're just... We're, we're a fun group. Um, yeah. We really are. And we just... We have a lot of fun things we want to... Well, yeah, fun. We'll call them all fun. Um, topics we kind of want to cover this semester. And so one thing that I think Alex and I have talked about a little bit, but we haven't, like, explicitly had a whole episode dedicated to it, is Deber, and I'm super excited. It's going to be a blast. To hopefully get some new voices to come talk about discipline-based education research and not like the hitting discipline like the like the biology and the psychology is I had someone say that once like Whoa. you mean like hitting kids is like discipline and I was just like, like oh no 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 I mean like that's wild like my biology-based education mm-hmm. type thing yeah so we're hoping to invite some of the other graduate students from other disciplines to just come talk about what we do and what Deaver means. That's one thing. We're all also writing. 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 All the time. All the time. Writing. So we are going to talk about that because writing and publishing in science is probably different than a lot of people realize. And uh, also, happy Bisexual Visibility Week and Hispanic Hispanic Heritage Heritage Month. Month. I was getting there. (laughs) You cut me off. And kind of on that vein, we are always, we're a group of people that are always um, very, I don't know what to say, what what word am I looking for? Always very aware of, like, how our work fits into, like, DEI initiatives and those kinds of things. And we want to talk about that a little more, because we started some of those conversations. And so we want to make sure we're... Keeping Continuing on top of those. those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're very important. They change even as a year goes by. Uh, there are different things that can um, affect those different identities and how people can then thrive in things that we do based on different DEI um, efforts and topics. And we are a group of m- minorities in different ways and fashions, and we want to represent those because representation matters we also all have um in all of our departments there are a lot of students that come to the united states for the first time to go to graduate school and i think their stories and their um, perspectives are super important and so we're hoping to talk to 
a few of them and get their input for an episode of the podcast. And then, what even is a PhD candidate? We'll let you know. <laughs> We're finding out. out. Yeah, <laughs> we are finding out. So and we'll let you know. Stay tuned for that one and the rest of those episodes coming later in season three of the Scientists in Training podcast. Go ahead and. Hang up your lap cords and <laughs> put away your notebooks. We're done with episode one. We Woo! did it. <laughs>